Buen dia, and welcome to the Friendship News Hour, presented to you by Bummer Dude Media. Today is August the 30th, 2023. My name is Frank. His name is Alex. Put that mug up one more time. What's on that? It's a SpongeBob SquarePants mug that says, nice buns. Nice buns. It's got a spatula to handle. That's fun. Yeah, it's pretty nice. Pretty nice. It's it's What I like it is it's a very large mug, so I can hold about a quarter pot of coffee in it. Makes me happy. Less trips downstairs. Nice. Nice. I like it. It's uh, very adult of you. <laughs> How goes it, Frank? I miss you, man. Yeah, I miss you too, buddy. It goes well. I'm still on this West Coast swing. I say this is what, week three for you? Uh, we're going into week four. Oh. And yeah, man, Damn. I'm over it. <laughs> Ready for some more. Yeah, yeah, you know, I like, I, I, I'm, I'm a man of routine, man. I, I like structure. I like knowing what I'm doing the next day. And I like not living out of a suitcase and get stressful, man. Yeah. I stay at a lot of hotels, mm-hmm. but I am a, a man of structure and a man of rewards. And I like okay. to, <laughs> I, I, I like, I like to pick the same brand over and over because you get rewarded for that these days. And, mm-hmm. uh, there is a new poll out of YouGov for the top 20 most popular hotel brands in these United States. I'm not surprised at number one. I enjoyed this brand very much, but I'd like to I'd, I'd like to see if you can guess the, the, the number one hotel brand, number one most popular hotel brand. It's got to be the standard. My, my go-to is Hilton, so I'm hoping it's that one. It is not Hilton. Really? I just had, I was going to tell you a little bit later, I had a bad experience this past week, but go on, go on. Oh, did you? I, I did. I, I'll tell you all about it. It was quite the trip, but I, I'm interested. What is, Mar- Marriott is number one. Okay. Is that your preferred? Yes. Is it? Oh, a man of finer things. Well, you know, okay. So uh, people have said <laughs> that. And when, when I knew that, that traveling was going to be uh, somewhat of a mainstay in my life, I decided to just pick one and stick with it. And 10 times out of 10, when I'm looking for a hotel in an area, Marriott is cheaper than Hilton. Always. Really? Always, always, always. Okay. Don't tell my boss that. I guess always, obviously it depends on if you're going to like an actual Marriott or if you're going to like a courtyard or a Fairfield Inn or something like, you know, in any case, Marriott number one, Holiday Inn number two, Hampton Inn number three, Hilton number four, and Holiday Inn Express number five. Interesting. Isn't Hampton owned by Hilton though? It looks like they break out everything because number six is Courtyard by Marriott. I stay at a lot of those. Oh, okay, okay. NBC Suites, which is the Hilton Hotel's number eight. Sheridan, which I think is a Marriott brand, is number 10. Yeah, so I break some off. Okay, gotcha. Always liked Hilton just because like usually in my run, they've always been like pretty clean, usually have a decent breakfast. Really, that's where I'm concerned about is cleanliness. I don't want to get bed bugs, you know, and I want the room to be not, like somewhat decent and I want there to be good food because, you, you know, eating on the go for meetings or whatever, you just want to be able to grab a good bite when you wake up and get onto your day. And they've never let me down there until recently. Do tell. Uh, so I don't know if I even told you this past weekend, me and Sarah went to St. Louis. Okay. Have you ever been? I've never been. I take it that you're safe. It was a hellish vacation. It was a great time altogether. Great time altogether. That city is, in my opinion, a piece of shit. Hmm. <laughs> I was not a fan. And I'm sorry if you're from St. Louis and listening to this. Uh, you need to defend yourself because I, I was not impressed with, with what I saw. It was kind of like one of those things where like anything that could go wrong did go wrong kind of a vacation. So maybe I'm taking that out a little bit on the city of St. Louis. But it was just, man, like it reminded me of how Detroit was when I was a kid. Like so many businesses closed, so many storefronts closed, wasn't shit going on. There weren't that many people there. A lot of homeless people. I, I saw mm. three piles of shit in the streets that I know were human shit. Wow. Uh, there's broken glass <laughs> how do you, everywhere, how do you know? man. <laughs> You're very sure about that. I've looked at a lot of dog shit in my days, having a dog and always being a dog lover and, and the areas where they were. Like, for instance, dogs aren't allowed to go down on the Metro platform. Well, there was a nice big ass pile of shit right as you walked onto the platform next to a undesirable looking character. So I could only assume it was his. And then just a couple other ones were just, they were meaty. And, and dog shit usually has like that... Uh, <laughs> I don't want to call myself like an expert in dog shit, but it usually has like that tubular shape to it. And you can kind of see where the dogs were pinching it off. It kind of like somewhat pellet form in some areas. This was not that. This was just a steaming load of of shit that, you know, erupted from someone. This is already too much feces talk for 
<laughs> for my morning. But yeah, it was it was just like so many things that went wrong. We took the train down there, and that was just like a, a total headache and hassle. And we we did have some good food there. I we had a really good calzone when I was there. Some good barbecue. One thing that I found. Okay, my favorite food of my lifetime, Frank, is pizza. I have to say, like, I love pizza in all forms. I, I appreciate the Chicago, you know, deep dish style. Not my favorite, but I appreciate it every once in a while. Love me some good New York pizza. My favorite is probably Detroit pizza where like it caramelizes into that thicker crust and it's all lovely. So I, I've never had a pizza that I would say I didn't like. And St. Louis style pizza doesn't use cheese. It uses a cheese product called Provel which is like a mixture of a couple cheeses and then probably like some rubber and other bullshit. But basically think if you made a pizza and as the cheese base, you used like shitty American sliced cheese. Mm. That That's what this tasted like. It was disgusting, dude. I, I couldn't, we got a small pizza. I ate one, like a couple bites and I was like, I'm good, Sarah. This is the rest is for you. She loved it, but man, I, ugh, I try it just so you know how bad it is if you're ever in St. Louis, but it, it was like unappetizing. Like it made me, almost feel sick how gross it was dude i, I couldn't couldn't get well after this it. review I, I don't know that i'll be taking a trip to st louis anytime soon yeah do not man we did see the anheuser-busch uh like factory brewery that was pretty cool went and saw the clydesdales and the whole process of that their whole operation which is was that was cool not like that budweiser is my favorite beer but you know like the amount of beers and shit that they own and manufacture and distribute is, is pretty impressive. And they're a story. I mean, shit, they've been, they've been in St. Louis since like the late 1800s doing their thing. So, you know, some history there for sure. That was, that was pretty cool. And, uh, we went to this museum. The one thing, yeah. And uh, one thing I really did like was there's, there's a museum there called city museum and it's like a big ass 10 story old building. And this guy, apparently he, he was like just into like building things and he would make like creatures and all different kind of like habitats and stuff. And he turned that into a museum. So like there's like a whole cave system in this museum, a whole like fish area, a whole lizard area, like all this shit that kids can climb into. You can like go in through the walls and like it's like one big playground that's 10 stories. They have a slide that goes down all 10 stories. Fun. Yeah, that was cool. It was it was it was cool. But overall was not impressed with the city. I, I don't believe I would go back if it was up to me. So that is that's my review. <laughs> Noted. St. Louis sucks. St. Louis sucks, yes, in so <laughs> yeah, many words. That's what I got out of that. Um, how many days vacation did you take off? None. We were just there Friday through Sunday. It was just like a short weekend from Chicago. Uh, it's only like a four and a half hour train ride or so, which which really was is isn't bad. You know, train train was cool. We got to relax and stuff. The reason I asked about the vacation, I read an article today about Homeland Security Department of the United States federal government and the Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas uh, is giving his department's 260,000 employees an extra day of leave, adding to more than $1 billion worth of vacation time he has already doled out in his two and a half years in office. So like all in all, I think he's given out like an extra four weeks of vacation time to his employees, 115 hours total uh, of vacation time to each employee. And you know, that's taxpayer dollars, happy to pay for your vacation. DHS employees. It's my honor. And I'd feel a whole heck of a lot better about it if the, they actually were securing the border. I just thought that was interesting that the, all that vacation time has been given out. I got no problem with it. I really don't. Take your vacation. Uh, just seems interesting. That's who's getting it. Yeah, right. Seems counterproductive to Homeland Security. Bit. To not, a little bit. To not be securing. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? All these, all these bombs at border states and they're giving out vacation now. Yeah, I heard something was going on in, in Texas. Uh, Greg Abbott was like fighting Biden's administration or just like the whole government or whatever right now because he was putting up a, a floating fence in the waters that like surrounded Texas, like from Mexico. And they that Biden was saying that it's unconstitutional to do that. And Abbott's saying it's within his constitutional right to like protect their borders. And I, I haven't really seen anything else like materialize from it. This was like a week or so ago. Yeah, it's actually a month ago. Oh, that really? this happened. <laughs> 
Yeah. Well, I mean, but it, it's a good. So we we didn't cover it at all. Uh, it's a, it was a it was a buoy barrier. Yeah, that that's what it was. They put on the Rio Grande. It's basically like a, a bunch of I don't know how you would even explain it. Like they're like big red floating spheres that are daisy chained, uh, going along the Rio Grande River. And uh, yeah, but the Biden administration sued Texas to remove the the barrier. It's about a thousand feet long. Looks like a think of a wrecking ball, but made of plastic and hollow mm-hmm. in a line floating along the river. Reading from this AP article here says that the, the Biden administration sued for humanitarian and environmental concerns. The suit claims that Texas unlawfully installed the barrier with no permission between the border cities of Eagle Pass and Piedras Negras, Mexico. Which is interesting because you have the mayor of New York and the mayor of Chicago basically saying we need to now secure the border. Uh, so, I don't know. Wait, Dude, I don't know. I've knows? seen some pictures from some Chicago precincts where they're they're putting up some of these uh, immigrants. I don't know if they're illegal or legal, but it it's literally like the whole front area. And I'm sure like all throughout this police station is just filled with people and families just like sleeping there, staying there until they can figure out what to do with them. It's like, oh. Oh, maybe you're regretting some of uh, some of those policies and some of the decisions you're, you or how you've been speaking from afar here in Chicago as we you know watch all these humanitarian issues or whatever at borders and oh like that's ridiculous that's terrible we can't turn people away and then once they start showing up on our doorstep and you know all those people are everywhere it's like oh shit <laughs> sounds it sounds to me that the uh, sanctuary city is operating uh, just as it should yeah yeah that sounds right you might you might think. I feel like a lot, a lot of people think population density is an issue. There's too many people on the planet. Yeah. And it's only growing more and more. And we're expected to grow more and more as a, as a, as a species on planet Earth. But contrary to that belief, uh, falling birth rates in developed countries is the, uh, the biggest problem that these countries have, actually. Of all of the developed world, only Israel and Mexico have total fertility rates at population replacement levels. That's the average number of children born to each woman. So only two countries are replacing their population. I think we've touched on this before. Like China was in like a huge downfall, right? Like, cause they were kind of starting to really feel the effects of one child policy or whatever. And here, oh, yeah. yeah, less and less people are having big families, let alone families at all. Like, is it a problem you think though? Like because of the amount of resources oh, that yes. all these people, yeah. I, I, I'm always wondering cause it's, I, I always hear about like in my conspiratorial uh, looking into's like, how New World Order wants to trim down the population. Like we can only accurately like provide for like, I think it's close to like half as many people as in the world than what actually are. But you're saying nonsense. that this, this is a bad thing. Okay, do tell. Yeah, no, that's nonsense. I, I understand the environmental concerns. I don't, I don't want to just poo-poo it away, right? It is more people equals more resources, yes. But if we took like all the trash in the United States and we wanted to bury it, like the next hundred years we would need like 10 football fields and dig it like 50 feet deep and that would take care of it i mean like literally that's that's not that's not hyperbole it's not as big of a deal i think we make it up in, in our heads to be um the reason that a uh, declining population is a bad thing is because it has more to do with timing than it does really like the the aggregate population but if if your population is aging and then those aging people have all of the knowledge and all of the know-how and all of the experience of making America what it is today. We'll use America as an example, but you can interchange any other country. And then their children are having less children. So our grandparents have the, the whole knowledge base, right? They have every, they know everything. And they are, in theory, going to pass that down onto generation. But if the generation, just two generations below them, are declining rapidly, then that means that there's less people to bring up the rear. And so what you have, if you're not at replacement level or above, is all sorts of problems from job creation to, I mean, basically just think of anything that we know how to do today and then draw that out over the next 30 years with a declining population, a lot of things fall through the cracks. And it's so much of a problem that leaders of 
uh, heads of state in different countries are coming up with different solutions for bringing population back up. In Hungary, the Prime Minister Viktor Orban put in a policy that women who become mothers before turning 30 will be exempt from paying personal income tax. On top of that, if a mother has four or more children, they will be permanently exempt from paying all taxes and they have a mortgage repayment plan for families with two or more children, a subsidy program for larger families buying seven passenger cars, uh, and allowing grandparents to be eligible for payment for caring for their grandchildren. Wow. Dude, smart. Where is that yeah. at? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? You want to boost the you want to boost the, the population a little bit? Do a, a mortgage uh, repayment plan. All you need is two children. I mean, I that, that to me sounds sweet. Uh, but I bring that up in, in large part because there's a a little mountain town in Japan called Nagi, Japan. And if you know anything about Japan, they have probably the most famous case of a declining population. What I was talking about, like the the, the delta between the elder statesmen of Japan and the younger generation is very, very high. It's, it's been a, a issue of serious concern for Japan for a, lot of, a, a long time. But there's this little town they're calling the Miracle Town where nearly half of the households have three or more children. And it's pretty wild. The Los Angeles Times had a big article on them because obviously the government of Japan is interested in figuring out why this town of Nagi has a fertility rate of 2.95. By contrast, the national fertility rate in Japan overall is 1.26. And so obviously you'd want to figure out, unlock why that is. Why do the people in this town feel like they are able to have this many children and feel comfortable about it. And it stems back to a decision made about two decades ago by their mayor. I'm not going to even try to pronounce this guy's name. Uh, but the town held a referendum on whether to consolidate with other neighboring cities in an initiative encouraged by the national government to streamline administrative operations. So the government was having problems getting programs to every different island in Japan or every different neighborhood in Japan. And so they, they wanted to consolidate cities and make them bigger. Just over half of the residents of this town voted against the proposal. So they chose to stand alone, and that means they had to dedicate more resources to nurturing its own population, which is only about 6,500. And so they cut funding on traffic safety and some health and fitness activities in, in, in order to allocate more, more money to helping families. And they began to offer free medical services for children until junior high school. And they also began to pay parents about $1,000 for every child born after their second. And basically that's it, that's that's all they did. And that one small shift mentally for the citizens of this town led to this proliferation of children. And I thought that was interesting only because I think when we think of these big problems or these problems that affect a lot of people, we think of big, large, complicated solutions. I seriously, would love to see if we if the United States were to pay just I mean I, we have tax we have tax breaks for children right like so it's not like we don't do anything but if we were to uh, have like an uh, accelerated repayment program for mortgages for people who have more than two kids or who have more or some sort of uh, uh, income tax break if you uh, have children before thirty just those I mean just those tiny little things I would love to see if we could start a chain reaction in the United States that began to value having a family more than whatever the fuck we value these days, which is not having a family, particularly before the age of 30. Uh, I'd say it's a huge problem or anything, but yeah. I think on the whole, probably better for the country if we were more family oriented. I agree. Yeah, I agree with that. I, I think there would be like some upsides to like a population decline. Like I feel like there'd be less people that need help as far as like housing goes or like medical help. So like it takes stress off of like those industries, like in the hospitals, like people would probably be able to be serviced or fixed more easily. I feel like people wouldn't be trying so hard to fight for houses and stuff like that. Like you'd be able to get a home a little bit easier, see some advantages of it for sure. Just, just like with how much of like attacks, like all these people, like homeless people and all these sick, overweight, obese, whatever people like put onto our healthcare system, like less of that seems like it would help. I guess then you would technically maybe have like less doctors, I guess, if, if you have less people being born, but maybe you would just incentivize people to go into these roles more. But there's, yeah, I don't see anything wrong with focusing on, on the family, the unit of a family. That seems like it would make total sense to me. 
Yeah, it, it, I mean, it, we're not even talking about uh, like population growth necessarily, right? Like, like uh, I don't know, when we think of growth as like as like a company or a corporation, you're, you're thinking of how do we get from where we are now to where we want to be, which are you know usually some big lofty goals that 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 include you know historic earnings or this that and the other. We're we're just talking about keeping ourselves floating at the same at the same rate we were twenty years ago. Mm-hmm. Right? We're talking about not declining population. Elon Musk is really big on this, and not just because he has like twenty kids, uh, <laughs> but 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 he really is. I mean, he 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 makes it a a, a forefront of of his public um, activism to talk about uh, population decline and, and and how bad he he thinks it is. I I I, I think uh, I think the economic pressures alone of a declining population are enough to start a chain reaction to kind of like you were saying, like um like maybe make, maybe it helps take the burden off of this or off this or could help you find a house better I, I think what it does is it puts a downward economic pressure on the population and once you have that downward economic pressure you then begin to feel like oh we're never going to get out of this yeah. uh, and, and and the worst thing we could do is add more hungry mouths to this downward economic pressure and then i think it spirals a little bit further down and then we find ourselves in a hole that it's, it's hard for us to dig out of but I mean, that's that's anecdotal whether or not that's the case, I don't know. But I think it would be cool. I think it would be really cool to see the incentivization of more uh, of more families. Yeah, it's like the reverse one-child policy. <laughs> like, how can we undo yeah, that? Yeah, right. Exactly. No, it's hundred percent what it is. And and yeah, yeah, I think we talked about this a few months ago. But China, but China's definitely feeling the uh, the effects of their one-child policy, and and they've reversed it in a big way. And they're trying to incentivize uh, people to have a lot of children. Because their population decline uh, is is pretty bad. I mean, yeah, you and I are doing our part. We're having children. Yes, sir. You have a boy. I have a boy. And a daughter on the way. And a little gal on the way. Can't forget that. I, I think you'd agree with me when I say that it is inevitable that our sons will find pornography. Sure. Absolutely. Probably an earlier age than we did in this in this new but world. Almost of assuredly yeah. so. Mm-hmm. Almost assuredly so. I don't know if you remember, this was back, I think, in like April or May or something like that. There was a Twitch streamer named Brandon Atrioc Ewing. I don't and he was caught on stream looking at deep fake pornography of other streamers. Do you uh, this? I don't know. I don't know who this guy is. Uh, I could care less uh, anything that really has to do with famous streamers. Uh, I, 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 yeah, I, I count me out of it, but I, I do remember hearing about this story because this guy it was caught red-handed, and he was given this tearful apology. And the the, the woman who he was uh, oogling at with his deep, deep fake pornography, she was really pissed off about it, and she was like, "Like I am not anybody's sex toy. Like if this goes way beyond the breach of, you know, it'd be one thing if like you stole my nudes." But you didn't. Mm-hmm. You recreated my likeness into something that is for pure sexual consumption. And Do you know who is, this was? Who the, who the lady was? Um, let me see if I can find her name. Wait, trying to look her up? You fucking no. Pervert? I just I know a lot of these a lot of these streamers a lot of female streamers like uh, have their own little side hustle on like OnlyFans and and even like use their streams to like just generate money off of like dressing provocatively and stuff like that. So I'm just curious like if it's someone like that who was just like, well, what, what the fuck? I'm missing my money. Or if it was like an innocent person who got like taken advantage of by this, I'm just curious. GT Cinderella. Okay. And never heard Sweet of Anita. Wasn't trying to victim blame. I was just curious. <laughs> no, I, I, obviously not. One of the quotes from these streamers is that it should not be part of my job to have to pay money to get this stuff taken down, which is true. I mean, that really, really suck, right? You become famous and, and people make fake pornography about you. It's the internet, man. There's no rules. I was gonna say There's like no that's rules. that's part of fame. Like that's that's something I feel like you kind of have to accept when you're like a, a famous social person that there's always gonna be like pervs and people on the internet. And then in today's world, like you can do virtually anything. Like if if you're expecting to be like, popular, you got to also take the bad that comes with that. Like I I don't know. Hundred uh, percent. Wired magazine published an article last week titled "Could AI Generated Pornography." help protect children this is where it gets really into the weeds Hmm. because the idea of this article published in wired magazine is that you diminish the risks 
of children being hurt and exploited by providing the material for pedophiles to consume and i don't know how i feel about it say that one more time so essentially the idea is that you provide ai generated child pornography oh oh, oh and oh. you allow no. pedophiles to consume this ai generated material no and, no. Okay, so right. I mean, immediately, me too. And and I understand the counter argument to that, right? Because I think essentially what we're saying is, if you allow for artificial images of sexually uh, sexually explicit artificial images of children, then pedophilia becomes a victimless crime. Does it though, or does it just like further their lust for this? And then you know, oh man, this artificial shit's good, but the real shit. That's what I want. You know, you know what I'm saying? Like it just kind of like it that snowballs into eventually the fake shit ain't doing it for them anymore and they got to go for the real shit. Couldn't agree more. Man, dude. There's a couple reasons why I think this article is very wrong. Very wrong. In order to accept that this that that, that AI generated child pornography would be helpful, you would have to also then you you you're kind of tacitly admitting that pedophilia is a it's a it's a disease like diabetes is a disease right or like uh congenitive heart failure is a disease you and your life probably had something to do with you getting diabetes or your uh, heart or, or your heart disease right unless you were born with diabetes obviously oh yeah okay so we're talking about type 2 specifically yeah. but it is a disease it's something that should be treated it's not something that we should think of as a crime more 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 than we should think of it as like a a, a treatable disease right okay. uh do you, do you do you follow me there or am i am i off base with that no i i follow you but like if by that thinking if that's how you're gonna liken it like the popular thinking at least like 20 30 40 years ago is that like being gay was wrong because it's against god or whatever else so like then you would have to like oh being gay is a mental health disorder we need to treat them by you know whatever putting them into facilities and, and trying to pray the gay away or you know shit i guess show them ai gay porn and then they won't be i, I don't even know like what but i i it's definitely well, a mental well, no, health I mean, problem well, like that they have but like th that's a problem that needs to like be persecuted and and like they need to be held more accountable for the the how fucked up that is like e even if it's like a you look at it from like a survival of the fittest approach and like these people obviously are fucked up like man i i in some cases like i would support the death penalty for for these kind of people that are like abusing children because like that's one of the worst things in my mind that you can do to try to like treat these people and help these people just seems ludicrous to me right right yeah uh, I, I i would agree there, there 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 are certain subsets of the of the political left that will take pedophilia and liken it to something like a uh, a sexual identity yeah right, right. and i i think they're I think that's different. I don't think being gay is like a mental disorder. I would I would think that this is a mental disorder, but it's not one that we should we like we need to try to help fix. You know, like it it there's fucked up bad people. Those are bad eggs. Like they need to be dealt with is what I would say. Right because obviously having a sexual identity like being gay means that you're attracted to the opposite sex. Within that there is no implicit harm to another person. Exactly. Right? Unless, of course, you're gay and attracted to children. Then there is implicit harm yes. assumed by your actions. If you're doing anything you want with a consensual adult, then you live in the right country for that. But if you have an attraction to children, it seems a bad idea to feed that beast, even though the consumption is not is not real people right like you're you know like because because then what's next right do you like do you do, do you create you know like some sort of uh robotic or artificial person like thing that a, pe a pedophile can then go and yeah do what they need to do right like no like, yeah there are people in our society that should be dealt with harshly and swiftly and i think if you or i hesitate to concede that somebody is born a pedophile but for the sake of argument i will accept that and if that is the case then you've had a very very bad draw but there should be no room it just should not exist we can be sympathetic to the fact that you 
have a, a attraction to to children and that that's well known pretty much the world over pretty much not everywhere as something that is bad and that really sucks um but the idea of making child pornography a victimless crime to me creates more victims because then you're feeding that to somebody who then consumes it and then like inevitably they're going to want more right like that's you can't just stop there why would you it's a sexual thrill that that flame will lessen over time like yeah. anything else like anything else you can put drugs i'm drinking this stupid prime drink if i had one of these a day after about two months or so it's not going to do the same thing to me as it did two months ago no, so right. I, and then you know put aside the mountains of evidence of how pornography re rewires somebody's brain um if you can and I, I don't know man it's just, uh, I, I, it's so, uh, uh, the stakes are so high here yeah. that, that I think it's worth being treated with white gloves and taking every argument and saying, okay, but let's take a look at this because maybe there's something we're overlooking. And of course, you know, after all, children are at the end of this. And, and the, the point here is to be uh, not harming children. So if there's something that maybe on the surface looks bad, but might at the end of the day help with this very serious problem, um, then we should look at it. I don't think this is it, though. I don't think that this is the uh, prescribed solution. Isn't it interesting that we're seeing the left like make a push for like trying to treat and rehabilitate these people uh, as if it's like a actually like a mental health thing that can be cured, while simultaneously we're seeing that like a lot of people from Epstein's list were Democrats that were fucking with kids, Bill Gates. The Clintons, so many people that Tom Hanks, like another one that like supposedly allegedly is like the head of like the Hollywood child sex ring. Like a lot of shit's been coming out about that lately, even like his own kid hidden at it online, uh, I think a week or two ago. It's interesting that we're seeing this push from the left to try to make it. I don't want to say like something that's accepted, but something that's like treatable and a disease and that we need to work with instead of like persecuting these people, which any reasonable person would think that you need to do. You know what I mean? I think I don't think that's a coincidence. Is all I'll say. No, I, I, I think you're I trying to lay to some groundwork for when this list eventually gets released. Whenever the fuck that happens, probably after Trump's fifteenth indictment. <laughs> yeah, I, it's a, it's tricky, man. It's the attraction being there. It's not a crime in and of itself, right? An old guy looks at an eighteen-year-old girl and he thinks, "Ooh, you know, young woman," right? Like that's creepy and gross. But that doesn't take away from the fact that it happens. It's acting on that and not and not accepting or, or, or not recognizing or not having the awareness within yourself to know that it's bad. I think I think really what we're talking about here is the normalization of the things that we used to repress, right? Sexual revolution, good because it breaks down the barriers of what sex used to be and now we're a little bit more free with sex and how we talk about it and how we interact with it and now sex is literally everywhere uh you you don't have to go more than you know 60 seconds scrolling on instagram and you will find somebody selling you actual sex sex sells when you're selling sex and sex is a tremendous revenue generator so now we have the the windfall from the sexual revolution of, of the 60s and 70s and people will probably tell you on the whole that's good but then you, you continue to go where does that stop right you continue to go and now you normalize other things and you start looking deeper into something like a pornography and you say well is it really that bad of a thing to do it you know to have ai generated child pornography because these people have a condition that we can't understand and they're jacked to the children and um we think it's bad for children to be exploited but you know we have to we have to think about the person that is you know is attracted to children no just like we think it's creepy that a 75 year old multi-millionaire dates a 21 year old woman and we all know why that's going on doesn't make it any less creepy um you know it's it's the same thing here it's 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 not the attraction it's not the it's it's the action right and if you normalize the action then obviously the next thing is harm to real people i mean it's just like it, it to, to me it, it it's not there's no gray area it's very black and white so i don't know more articles continue to come up we'll we'll talk about it but but it, you know it's a big deal and i think this movie over the summer uh the sound of freedom really put a highlight onto just how real uh the exploitation of children is um even if if, if, if you don't live it in your own world 
uh, it's out there. So I, I don't, I don't, I don't think this is a, a good direction at all. I agree. I agree. I just, it made me curious, like how this kind of stuff ranks within like porn searches. You know, like how many people are actually going out there looking for teen porn? Because I know like a lot of websites have like gone recently, like Pornhub was a big one that like attacked this exact thing on their website and removed hundreds of thousands of videos that like had any kind of inclination or where they couldn't prove that like the actresses were actually 18. But it's funny because like (laughs) as a user of porn, as like someone that on these sites from time to time, like you see like the tags and stuff. And I feel like teen is there all the time. And for me, I'm always like, oh, no, you but you see it all the time. But when I'm going through and looking at like Pornhub's data for what they released last year of like the most searched terms, it's not even listed there. And I'm telling you, it's it's on that site all the time, like in captions and all this stuff. So it makes me wonder if they're hiding it because it's not even in their top 15 terms. So that's like kind of concerning that like there's like some kind of overarching effort to like show that this isn't a problem when like it, it absolutely is. And, and to the point where these websites are going through and removing hundreds of thousands of videos to try to like hide this or stop this. Like that's very strange. It is all very strange. Well, I'm on this thing. This is kind of a cool graphic. What do you think the top three countries are for traffic to pornographic sites? Yeah, I gotta imagine the United States is top three. Number one, baby. Yeah. By far. By a lot. By like three times the next <laughs> one. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Uh, number two, uh, France? France is number three. Well done. With about a fifth of the traffic of America. And number two, any guess? Mm, Israel. No, it is the United Kingdom. Ah, okay. Yeah, that, that, that would have been my next guess for sure. Probably, yeah, I was trying to think of like Western free societies. Yeah, right. And they're like probably the next that, closest that that. country to us, you know, or area yeah, closest to sure. the sick pigs that we are. What's the number one most searched term of 2022? Oh, God. Um, <laughs> it's got to be stepmom. It's not. Stepmom is number seven. It's obvious. I think I it's like know. pretty obvious. It's it's lesbian. So porn watchers are gay pride supporters. Uh-huh. That's all that that, that tells cool. me. Yeah. Go There's a lot more on this, but I don't. Yeah. This is a little bit much to get into today. <laughs> I just, I do, I, to me, it seems like there's an effort to cover up this because it'd be so easy to prosecute. Like if you wanted to go after people that were looking at child porn or like trying to like go after these young videos and shit, all you got to do is, is look at the videos, look at the IP address that access them. And you could go after these people so easily. And it's like, we're not, we're not doing that. I don't know. You see to catch a predator and all these other things, but like, you don't like, there would be such easy ways to go in and actually like take care of this problem if it needed to be addressed you know and it just seems like they're not doing it for whatever reason if your business is the business of sin hey you can't really draw a moral line do you know what i mean yeah, uh, I, mean, I guess true. you can but but why would you you're going to protect that so I, it sort of makes sense to me the solution i don't know is, is, is going to come from a government or a, an organization it's going to come from individuals making much better choices and just yeah. understanding uh you know that they're that they're somewhat complicit when 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 they decide to do something that they they think you know might be uh completely harmless the companies that have all this shit on their servers have to be held accountable too you're distributing it at that point and that's why companies like pornhub right. are taking hundreds of thousands of videos down because they're like fuck we could really this gets a lot of traffic but we could really this could end our business as we know it, you know? Yeah. No. And <laughs> perfect timing. My my aunt and dad are here in the, the Facebook Live uh, chat here. So welcome. <laughs> Thanks for joining oh, us. Oh, nice. Perfect timing. <laughs> awesome. Oh, what else we got today? Glad to have you. Um, <laughs> if, I, if I were to... If I were to break into your house and uh-huh. steal something of value, jewelry, cash, you know, whatever it is, do you think you would be able to sue the maker of your door lock Mm. uh, for damages man that's a good question uh yeah i i would think so because i've even heard of like situations where people broke into people's houses and like got hurt by the and like sued them for you know slipping and falling and hurting themselves so yeah i would think that you'd have some kind of suit, especially if you could like class action it and find 300 other homes that were all broken into the same way. We all, all had the same door handle lock system. I, I would think, yeah, there'd be some grounds for a suit. Well, that is uh, exactly what the city of Chicago is doing hey. to the uh, auto manufacturers Kia and Hyundai. Big Chicago is suing Kia and Hyundai uh, for uh, car theft, <laughs> if you believe that or not. They are suing... 
the makers of the vehicles for those vehicles being stolen more often than other vehicles. The city's complaint claims that, the, that Kia and Hyundai failed to equip cars sold between 2011 and 2022 with engine immobilizers and anti-theft technology. Most manufacturers made it a standard feature over a decade ago, and the automakers have included in vehicles sold outside the country. Social media videos that showed how to start those car models without a key went viral. This is now the mayor of Chicago speaking. The impact of car theft on Chicago residents can be deeply destabilizing, particularly for low to middle income workers who have fewer options for getting to work and taking care of their families, Johnson said in a statement. The failure of Kia and Hyundai to install basic auto theft prevention technology in these models is sheer negligence, and as a result, a citywide and nationwide crime spree around automobile theft has been unfolding right before our eyes. Let me reword this for you, Mr. Mayor. The impact of car theft on Chicago residents can be deeply destabilizing, particularly for low to middle income workers who have fewer options for getting to work and taking care of their families. The city of Chicago has failed to protect these families from car theft, and I will be resigning immediately. Thank you. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, it's not just Chicago, man. They're, they're facing class actions from everybody. Uh, in Atlanta, car theft is up 700% in the last year. Uh, there's a huge class action that's going against them right now in the tune of over 200 million i don't care how many lawsuits or how much money it is it is never the responsibility of the manufacturers of the vehicle to make sure that their vehicle does not get stolen uh, isn't it though with anti-theft like oh, wait, it's can, not if you can you're saying that you need a manufacturer a vehicle no 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 it's, uh, essentially what this lawsuit is saying from the city of chicago is that you have to manufacture a vehicle to live up to the crime statistics of our city our city sucks so bad at policing crime that you have to manufacture a vehicle to make sure that your vehicle uh, is not taken advantage of by the criminals in our city. It's exactly what this lawsuit's saying. It's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard in my life. It's it's kind of what it's saying, but also if someone can get into your car and, and not even have to hotwire to steal it, that's a problem with how the car is, is manufactured. It's not necessarily... The city of Chicago is pressing the suit, but this isn't just something that's happening in Chicago and they're trying to go after the car. This is happening across the entire country. And I, I we, we own two Hyundais. They're sending out mass amounts of emails like, please come in, bring your car, and we have to do this update because they're trying to avoid lawsuits. Like, this is... To me, that it makes sense. Like, you shouldn't have a car that is so easily accessible that people are starting groups online called the Kia Boys to you know, go around and break into these cars because it's so fucking easy to do. Like that is on the manufacturer to not let your car be that easy to steal. Like obviously if you're going to steal a car, break into it, hotwire it, that's not on the auto manufacturer. But if you can sit in there, plug in a USB drive or whatever these people are doing to, to turn a car on and drive away with it, that that is that is a manufacturing problem for sure. And you're seeing it across the country, not in just one place. Like, I, I don't know. I, I, I see that as a problem by the manufacturer. It's it's certainly an oversight. Uh, but where I live, my neighbor left out a, a, a set of golf clubs on their front porch for over a week. And nobody even thought to touch them. Okay. You want to know why? That's great. Because the area I live doesn't breed criminals. That's fine and well. But if I could walk, like your analogy with the lock, if I could walk up to anyone's door with a magnetic thing that automatically unlocked it, and I could just walk right into their fucking house, you don't think there'd be any grounds for a lawsuit at all for those people that bought this lock and, and trusted this lock company to save and protect their house? And it's as easy as walking up with a magnetic card and unlocking it. There's no grounds for a lawsuit there. Obviously, it's going to happen in places where there's higher crime. No, because you've chosen you've chosen to to criminally trespass. <laughs> I disagree. That's I why totally there's disagree. no lawsuit. I totally disagree. You've chosen to you've chosen to commit grand theft auto. I'm sorry, sure. but like that is a personal decision of a criminal to act criminally. This wasn't happening at the clip that it that it was even in high traffic areas. Atlanta in one year they've seen a 700 percent crime increase happen in this specific crime with these specific vehicles. That's not a coincidence. That's people finding out like, oh, wow, it's easy as fuck to do this. I'm going to do it now. Grand Theft Auto was already happening in Atlanta before this, like, and and the normal way, breaking into a car, hotwiring it, getting it the fuck out of there. But now that when criminals know that they can do this, they're obviously going to take advantage of it. These people don't have morals. But that that's the, at the end of the day, that's the manufacturer of whatever they're continually breaking into and stealing to to own up to that we fucked up. This is a manufacturing defect. Like, like crime's not going to stop, you know, like that's, they're just going to take advantage of this. Like they have everywhere. If I were key at Hyundai, I would move out of every single city that decides to sue me. I would move all of my dealerships out of there. 100%. <laughs> Fuck you guys. <laughs>
It's, it's, it's crazy. I, I, I can't even uh, believe that we're like, entertaining the thought that, that it's okay that the city of Chicago is suing auto manufacturers because they cannot contain the criminals in their own city. Yeah, yeah. It's this a is not a Hyundai Kia problem. Yeah, it's an oversight for sure. But this is a pro- this is a problem with Mayor Brandon Johnson. This is his problem. I don't disagree that there's a crime problem in, in these cities, but I, I don't think, I think there's a reason that there's an increase in these crimes due to the, what is going on due to the source of the whole thing. Okay, so... Then Kia and Hyundai decide that they're going to retrofit for free every single vehicle that decides to come into their dealerships and get this retrofit so that it no longer is easier for these criminals to act in this very specific way. Yes. What have we done? What have we done? Well, they've implied their guilt that they've manufactured a faulty car, which is the root of this problem. The root of this problem is that the criminals that were to have otherwise gone and stolen a Hyundai or a Kia are now going to go and commit crime elsewhere because they have not stopped done being criminals just because it's not as easy to steal this car that's true but that doesn't take away the fact that all those people that got their cars broken into got fucked by the manufacturer for very easy way to steal a car which is why you're seeing that is true like please come in please come in please fix our car okay okay yes so if you and twenty-five thousand other chicagoans got together and filed a class action lawsuit against kia that is fine there's no problem with that because you are the consumer and you have been getting duped by uh, the consumer. They have not protected your purchase as well as they should have. But the city of Chicago is suing Key and Hyundai. Right, right, so right. So the problem for their ineptness, that is the difference. I see what you're saying. I, I see what you're saying there. Yes, I got you. But I, I'm 100% a class action lawsuit with any Hyundai and Kia owner that would want to go against them because they are they manufactured a faulty vehicle for years and years and years. I have no argument against it. Um, Okay, real quick before we get out here, um, the uh, Wall Street Journal has a, or excuse me, the New York Times has a cool uh, little uh, uh, write-up about what it's like to be a participant at the U.S. Open, which is taking place right now in New York. And they follow Mackenzie McDonald and Felix Auger Alassimi. Are you familiar with these? I'm not. Mm-mm. Tennis Wait, players. Is, is no? Felix? Is he the guy from America that won yesterday? I think he. he ups, there right. was an American that upset like a number 15 seed yesterday in the Open. I saw, but no, yeah, I'm not familiar. I don't. I don't know any of these people. I don't know tennis at all. But it kind of takes you through the behind the scenes, right? Like he, I, I don't know what it's like to be a professional tennis player, let alone to play at a, at a, a major in the sport. But talking about Mackenzie McDonald, um, this is two days before his uh, his match, his opening match. Before practicing, he had to stop by a fan event put on by his racket sponsor, Wilson. Begins his day about 8.45. Him and his girlfriend and his trainer get into a car and head over to Flushing Meadows. Car ride can take up to an hour in heavy traffic in New York. So... I mean, think about it, right? Like you're focused on winning a tennis match. You're in an hour of traffic in New York. You know, before you can even go practice, you have to spend a half hour volleying balls with children because Wilson sponsors your rocket, which, you know, all good, fine, whatever. Sure. Okay, so he fulfills that commitment and now he can focus on tennis for the rest of his day. So he starts his uh, uh, workout by working with a physiotherapist, getting warm and then two hours of practice. Uh, and then he eats and then another two hours of practice, uh, this time against uh, another American player on an empty court that's not being utilized, which is open to fans, by the way. I think that's pretty cool. So he finishes that practice, then he goes on to another practice. And um, because there's so many fans at the US Open, it's a big deal that they have to be shuttled from place to place uh, so that they don't have to walk through sea of uh, rabid tennis fans. Now we're at uh, just over 2 p.m. It's 80 degrees in New York, and he has yet another uh, practice of the uh, 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 of the day, um, and it looks like it's just a whole day of him just playing tennis against somebody else, mm-hmm. um, with uh, with really maybe they're keeping score, maybe they're not, but it's, it looks like it's just him going from court to court to court to court, uh, uh, practicing. And this is um, this is before his match, the day before his to his Warriors match. So he has a match on a Monday, and there were three other matches scheduled on the court five where he was playing, starting at eleven a.m. Which kind of has a, a challenge of its own because these matches could take three hours, four hours. Yeah. Even sometimes. More. Yeah. Or sometimes it could take an hour and a half, two hours, depending, right? So 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 you have no idea really when when you're gonna get on the court, uh, when you have matches in front of you. And then you add rain into the mix that could delay it. And so you arrive to the court, US open, you have to win your match, you go home and you don't really know when you're gonna play. So how do you prepare? Like you don't. It's pretty crazy. 
Um, I guess anybody who's been involved in tournament play kind of can, can can understand what that's like. So he takes a court around 545 and after getting there at 1145 in the morning. Uh, so he, he wins his first match and uh, yeah, well, that's that's the article. I thought it was going to be more interesting than that. <laughs> so that you're saying that's just like a typical day? Yeah, that was his first match at, at the U.S. Open. I, I don't know. Like I, I remember being at uh, uh, wrestling tournaments and having to weigh in, and then then you don't know when your first match is going to be. It could be in an hour. It could be in thirty minutes. It could be in four hours. You know, like you, just, you have no idea. It's interesting that the the players at the highest level also go through the same sort of uh, uncertainty in tournament in tournament form. True true but i mean man i mean that's that's what you're there for you're probably eating that shit up most like you're getting a lot of fan interaction and you know inspiring the kids and all that i, I feel like it probably makes you feel pretty good and then i mean shit you win your very first match just to getting into the second round of the u.s open you automatically have made 130k right there so it's oh, like wow that's yeah i did not know that that's yeah good. so i think like these these athletes like they gotta you know especially in majors like this like you gotta sacrifice it's not all about you it's about the event, and if you do well, you're going to make a fuck ton of money. Like, you know, this is what you're here for. This is what you train for. So hopefully he's not, like, complaining or anything about that. Is that what the article was saying or anything? No, no, okay, no not okay, at all. It was, okay. just, it was just kind of chronicling his his first couple of days at at, uh, at the U.S. Open. Yeah. Um, so no no complaints at all. I mean, I'm sure I'm sure he's still to be there. I'm sure everything that goes along with it, whether it's annoying or, or not, I'm sure he's, he's having a blast. Either way, I'm just so excited, dude. It's it's looking like every major tennis tournament for the next three to four years, maybe maybe more like three years, but like is going to probably be Carlos Alcaraz versus Novak Djokovic, and those are my two favorite tennis players. I think they're phenomenal. They're number one and two in the world right now, and it it's just their matches. I don't know if you watch Wimbledon or even the the recent one they had last week in Cincinnati, but they're just the top echelon of tennis that I've like ever seen. It, it's crazy. It's someone uh, like like Novak who is just relentless on like picking apart his opponent's weaknesses and like just like staying alive in points. But then you go against someone like Carlos Alcaraz who's young gets to every fucking ball it still has all the like power in the world that because he's younger and like to watch these two go back to back like tennis fans are you were in such a good spot until you know for the next few years until Novak retires uh, and then honestly I think you're gonna see Carlos like dominate tennis for the next 15 years after that but uh, it's, it's a good time to be a tennis fan it's like the changing of the guard is kind of starting to happen and Nadal's gonna be retiring Federer's already gone Murray's gone like it's it's a interesting time it's a good time to become a tennis fan because these these matches are very very interesting I highly recommend if, if you're just a casual observer or really never watched tennis before pop on one of their matches Carlos Alcaraz or Novak Djokovic and you will not be let down yeah uh, but somebody needs to come in there with a napkin and wipe that drool off of your dude face. I'm, man I'm telling you as, as someone who plays it and has like grown to love tennis through the few, last few years it's just to watch these guys do it at the level that they do it and they serve 130 miles an hour it's like how do you even I can't even fathom what that looks like coming at you, let alone an entire four-hour match of that. Like, that is just... That's next level, dude. It's crazy. Yep. That is crazy. <sighs> um, well, good. Uh, enjoy, tennis fans. Um, that's our show. If you would like to reach us, you can at uh, Twitter, at Friendship and H, Instagram and TikTok, at Friendship News Hour, and you can send us an email, bummerdude.media at gmail.com, bummerdude.media at gmail.com, and we will see you next time.